All right, we're going to come around the Word of God. Um, this morning, I just want to spend a few moments um, talking about eternity. And I know that we've been uh, looking at this topic for a little while, and we're probably going to spend a few more weeks... Um, Actually, why don't we bless the youth as they go? Hayden can still hear me. Um, if you're youth age, just run after them. You'll be able to catch up with them. Um, we're going to spend a few more moments talking about eternity, um, and probably in the next couple of weeks, I think, and then we'll move into a Christmas theme. But um, I've been really impacted by this topic of eternity. And how many know that it is the most important thing is having an awareness of eternity. And C.S. Lewis, an incredible author and scholar, this is what he said. He wrote, If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. Let me read that bit again. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. What C.S. Lewis is saying is that people throughout history, Christians that changed the world, changed their world, had an incredible impact, were ironically not only just thinking about this life, but they actually had an awareness of eternity that caused them to have such an influence on the here and now. As we've discussed in the last couple of weeks, eternity is a sobering thought. This is the reality that in a moment, in a moment in all of, us, all of our lives, we are going to breathe our last breath. And in a nanosecond, we're going to be in our body and then all of a sudden we're standing before Almighty God, giving an account for our life. This is the reality. As much as we don't always like to have these deep and meaningful conversations, especially around church, this is the reality. We see it all through Scripture. That we should come face to face with these type of realities, that that living with an awareness of eternity is critical. And in that moment, we're going to stand before God and give an account for everything that we've done. Not only what we've done determines where we spend eternity, but it depends how we spend eternity. And I'd like to propose this morning that our perspective on eternity eternity actually is a big deal. The perspective we have when we come to this topic of eternity is a huge deal. Last night we had an incredible time as we got to celebrate together just so many of us that have served in the last year and and done incredible things for the kingdom of God and it was a great time and part of those celebrations was incredible food and it started off with gourmet pizza and then it moved from there into all these desserts, cheesecake, mud cake, all these other cakes, pavlova, 
And then there was, the finale was. <laughs> Someone grab that, man. <laughs> then there was a finale. It was a wall of Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh, this is incredible. This is the pinnacle of life. Is a wall of Krispy Kreme donuts. Now, if I didn't have a, a long-term perspective, if I only had a perspective that lasted for about 12 hours, how many know that I would have went and eaten probably half the pizzas on the table? I would have went and eaten probably one of every dessert and I would have at least demolished half of the Krispy Kreme wall of donuts. That was if I had a perspective that was for the here and now, like yesterday. But how many know that the longer-term perspective is that if I eat 20 Krispy Kreme donuts, it's going to affect me tomorrow. And it's not a positive way. As much as my mouth loves it, as those Krispy Kreme donuts dissolve, that sugary um, pastry dissolves in your mouth, and it feels like there's no calories at all. But how many know that if my perspective is short-term... I'm going to enjoy it, but it's diff very different if I have a longer-term perspective. Even if I have a perspective of weeks and months, how many know that it's going to change what I do in that moment? I won't have to lose the 5, the 10 kilos that I gained by indulging in these Krispy Kreme donuts. And the same as us is when we get a perspective of eternity, it actually changes the decisions we make. It actually changes the decisions we make. No one would ridicule you at having two Krispy Kreme donuts because you don't want to reap the rewards, shall I say, tomorrow or in a couple of weeks' time. And the same is with our eternity is that, hang on, we're living a life right now and what we do here affects our eternity. See, it's important that we live with this perspective, with this awareness of eternity. There's a verse in the Bible that says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. This verse is saying, the fool says in their heart there is no God. It's interesting that the Bible uses quite strong language to say, hey, all of a sudden if we push aside this issue of accountability towards God, push aside the issue of our awareness of eternity, the Bible actually says you're a fool. Because the truth is that we will all stand before the Lord and give an account. What that means is that anytime I lose my awareness of, it, of, of eternity, I set myself up to make foolish decisions. In other words... Every time I come around a decision-making a decision -making process, I must hold the awareness of eternity in my heart. I can't trust myself to make wise decisions if I'm not holding eternity in my heart and my life. Uh, if you can turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. And by the way, I think there is some Krispy Kreme donuts left over. There is. Very good. 
Mark chapter 10, verse 28. The context of this passage is that Jesus is hanging out with his followers, his disciples, and there's a rich guy that comes up to him. And this rich man actually comes to Jesus and asks the question, which is exactly what we're talking about today. He says, hey, how can I be a follower of Jesus? How can I be sure of my eternity with God? How can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus starts saying these things about what he should do and, and the good things that he should do. And at this point, the, the, this young man's ticking all these things off, thinking, this is incredible. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. And he gets right to the end and thinks, I've done everything that Jesus said. And then Jesus says one thing that has gripped this man's heart. He said, hey, there's still one more thing. Go sell your possessions and come and follow me. Now, it wasn't that Jesus needed the possessions. It wasn't that he wanted this man to just sell his possessions for the sake of it, but it was that the possessions had a hold of his heart. And Jesus pinpointed that. And you can imagine this, this young man like going through all the other things, thinking this is great. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, hey, that issue with your heart, that issue that, that, that has gripped your heart, go do this act of selling your possessions and then come follow me. And we read here in the text that it's like this man just goes, oh, that one thing that I was hoping Jesus wouldn't bring up, he brings up, of course. And it's a very sad story because the Bible says that this man went away and he couldn't allow the grip or the, the issue of the finances that so tightly held his heart to be put away to follow Jesus. And this is the context we find our passage here where Peter and the other disciples, they're viewing this and they come to Jesus and they say, well, what about us? We've, we've given up everything. What do we get? And in verse 28, it says, then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Verse 29, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. This is an interesting passage and there's three elements I want to look at this morning. As Jesus gives us a teaching around eternal life, there's three elements we want to have a look. And number one is this. I'll just read it again here. It says, No one who has left home, brothers, sisters, mothers, father, children, or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much as this in the present age. That's right now. When Jesus states this, what it is teaching us and what it is telling us is that he's actually interested in the kingdom coming now. And I know that in this passage it's talking about financial provision, it's talking about um, um, resources, but the reality is, is that these things that we're believing for, these things that we're praying for, these things that we've sacrificed, he's giving us this promise saying, hey, there will be rewards now. Breakthrough, provision, resources. These things are promised for those of us who have sacrificed to say, I, I'm going to follow Jesus. 
In the Lord's Prayer, it says, Your kingdom come on earth as is in heaven. How many know that that phrase in that Lord's Prayer was not reserved for when we get to heaven? He didn't tell us this prayer so that we could pray it when we got to heaven, but he actually told us this prayer so that we could pray this, so that we could partner with heaven to see the reality of heaven come to earth now. Here Jesus reminds us that he's actually interested in breakthrough now. He's actually interested in resources, in blessings, in provisions now. And maybe you're just like, hey, I'm not going to I'm not going to um, be one of those people that just follow Jesus for the rewards. And I get that, but let me read you one verse in Hebrews. Hebrews Chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Listen to what this says. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must, number one, believe that He exists, and number two, that He rewards those who seek Him. What this verse is saying is that the issue of reward is at least half the subject of faith. Let me say that again. Verse 6 tells us that this issue of reward is at least half in the subject of faith. I'll just leave that there. You can meditate. You can ponder on that. But the point is that reward is something that the Lord has actually given us. It's actually a good incentive. And he will give us rewards. And here we see in this passage where Peter says, hey, we've left everything to follow you. Jesus is not just saying, hey, you're going to have incredible things and in eternity. He's saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to open heavens over your life now. And so we see this first element in this passage is that the Lord wants to bless us in this life. He wants to bring breakthrough in this life. He wants to see provision, resources met in this life, on earth as it is in heaven. The second thing we see here is that as we read through this passage, we see that it says that you will, see, you will receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm taking the first part of that verse, and that's a promise that I'll declare but then that bit about persecutions is not something that I'm waking up every morning looking for. But here Jesus actually promises, hey, I'm going to bless you. You're going to see incredible things happen, breakthrough. You put it in your context. But he also says, hey, there's going to be persecutions. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be attacks. There's going to be some sort of resistance as you continue to sacrifice and follow the call of God on your life. Persecution, opposition, is not something that you may experience if you follow Jesus. It's something that you will experience. It happens to all of us. And as I've, I've observed people that are passionately following Jesus, aggressively following Him, they're not without their troubles, their trials, their persecutions and opposition. 
there will be seasons where there's opposition. There will be seasons as we step forward and, and follow Christ and as we step out and follow the call of God in our lives. There will be seasons where it's like, hey, I feel like I'll just be better to just pull back a little bit. There's been times in my life, and I don't know how I know this, but I know there's times when I've stepped forward in the things of God and all of a sudden I know that there's opposition that's came. And I know that if I would have stepped back, some of those issues would have went away. But here he promises not only provision, not only blessing in this life, but also persecution in this life, opposition, attacks, resistance. And like I said, I don't wake up every morning looking for those things. But as Jesus gives us a, a um, instruction about eternity, it's important that we understand this. Because it builds up a longevity in us. It builds up some resistance. It says, hey, in light of eternity, hey, these are some of the things we will experience as following Jesus. The third element that we see in this passage where Jesus is giving us a teaching on eternity. We see here that he ties it all together and he says, and in the age to come, eternal life. In other words, there will be a moment at the end of our existence here when everything will be made right. This is our hope. that maybe the rewards that we thought we were going to get in this life, we will actually get in eternity. Maybe the things that we had no understanding about, where we just, we just surrendered them to God and we just trusted Him, there will be revelation and understanding. That breakthrough that we were going for, that we wanted to see happen, all of a sudden in eternity, everything will make sense. Vindication that never happened in this life will happen there. Justice that never happened here will happen there. Everything will be made right. So we see these three things that Jesus is teaching us when he teaches us about eternity. Like I said, the first thing is this, that we will experience breakthrough. We will experience blessing. We will experience provision in this life. But accompanying that, we will also receive persecution, opposition, attacks and resistance. But our greatest hope is this, that whatever misunderstandings we have in this process of contending for the breakthrough, continuing to fight through the opposition, we have this great hope, which is one day we will stand in eternity and everything will be made right. Every score will be settled. Everything that the misunderstandings, the disappointments, things that we haven't understood, things that don't make sense, they will be made right. Vindication will happen that never happened here. And this is our hope. The Bible talks, um, just as I finish up, the Bible talks about it gives us a picture of what will happen that day if we're believers of Jesus, if we follow Jesus as believers. 
we'll get before him. And it gives us this picture of this pile of stuff that is set before the Lord. It says that there's wood, there's hay, there's other stuff there. But there's also gold, silver and precious stones. And what happens in this process, this prophetic picture, if you will, is that the fire of God comes and, and these, this pile of stuff before us actually represents everything we've done, our works. And this is set before the Lord on this judgment day and the fire of God comes and burns everything and whatever's left we get rewarded for. Some things you'll be rewarded for in this life. But I believe there is things that you will be thankful for that you didn't get rewarded here because you got rewarded there. We don't like it now. Maybe it's the, the breakthrough that you're looking for. Maybe it's the misunderstanding. Maybe it's the, the things you believe in God for, the promises you're holding on to. It's holding these things in tension and this issue of eternity while we're contending for the miraculous to happen now. Because he said, on earth as it is in heaven now. I just want to finish with this thought and it's simply this. We know in the Old Testament that there was three guys, three Hebrew men. They got taken into captivity. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They got taken into captivity and they had to bow. They were commanded to bow before the king, before the idol. And you probably know the story well that they said, we will not bow. And all of a sudden the king came and he throws them into a fiery furnace. And this is what they said. And this is what I believe our approach should be exactly like this. They said boldly, God will save us. This was the declaration. They said boldly, God will save us. But then they said, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. And I believe that should be our approach as we come, as we, as we gain an awareness of eternity and what God has called us to do in the here and now. Maybe you're, you're believing for breakthrough, for sickness in, in your body. It is God's will that you be healed now. I would encourage you to boldly say, hey, we're contending for healing. But for whatever reason, if it doesn't happen, we're not going to hold God on trial. It isn't his issue. Maybe it's something we've done. Maybe it's mystery. But the point is that we're going to boldly say, hey, we're believing for healing. But if it doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Maybe you're believing for dysfunction and relational issues in your life. Maybe it is financial provision. Let's contend for these things in our lives, in our church. Let's not adopt lazy theology that says, well, if it's God's will, it'll happen, it'll happen. Of course, that's our ultimate hope is that, hey, when we get to eternity, everything will be made right. But right now, he's inviting us on earth as it is in heaven. 
He's inviting us to co-labor with him to see his plans and purposes come apart. I just believe this morning, just as you close your eyes, I'm just going to pray and believe that God is going to give us a greater awareness of eternity. That there's going to be a greater awareness released. I don't know if you've ever spoken to anyone who's went to heaven or, or maybe went to hell and has come back or even had an encounter of heaven and hell. They never live the same. Why? Because they've experienced the reality of eternity. And this morning I want to pray for every single person that this reality would so be birthed within us. This reality of eternity that we can stand there on that day when all is said and done and have things left, that gold, silver and precious stones that have value in eternity. So Lord, right now we just thank you for every person in this place. Lord, I just pray for all of us that you would just increase our awareness of eternity. That Lord, whether it be through dreams or visions or encounters, or just as we read your word, that Lord, this, this issue of eternity would become such a, 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 a focus and an emphasis for us. Lord, we don't want to be foolish and not have the correct perspective. Just while you've got your eyes closed, I want to take the opportunity of, as we've been talking about eternity, if you're here and you're like, hey Ben, I don't know if I died right now and I stand before God, I don't know where I would spend eternity. This is the most important decision you will ever make, is saying yes to him. There is no greater, more important decision. And maybe you've even been in church for a while and you say, hey, today I want to come back. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want right standing with God. I want to know that my future is secure in heaven. If that's you, while people are just um, closing their eyes, I want to include you in a prayer. If that's you, would you just raise your hand just so I can see it and then put it back down. If there's anyone here this morning that says, yes, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want a brand new start. I want to follow him. If there's anyone, I'm just going to look across the room one more time. If there's anyone this morning just says, hey, thank you, I see that hand. If there's anyone else, just quickly. I don't want to leave to make sure everyone's had an opportunity. Like I said, maybe you've done this before, but today's a day of coming back, saying yes to Jesus. Anybody else, just quickly. Yes, I see that hand down the back. This morning I'm going to pray a simple prayer and there's two people this morning that have said, hey, they want to make sure before they leave this place that they're right with God. And this is an incredible decision. So why don't we, as a family, pray this together. Repeat these words after me. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And today of my own free will, I choose you. Take control of my life 
And from this moment on, I'm going to live for you and serve you. Amen. Why don't we celebrate those decisions? When you wake up tomorrow morning, just thank God that he's given us breath again. I think I said the last time I preached on this subject that we, sh- we should leave here excited. Do you know why? Because we're still alive. We have time. And I know it feels like a bit of a heavy type of sermon, but this is the reality. If you're still breathing, you have time. You have time. Whether there's been things in the past that regrets in that, he, he wipes them away and we've got time to build something of eternal value, that when the fire comes, that it'll be left there. And um, so, yeah, I encourage you to do that. Let's live with an awareness of eternity. Amen.